we, I want to say to some degrees, we had it here first. We have discussed Zunino almost a week ago on this very show. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about some more information that dropped today. Get a little bit into the trade market as well, all on Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, if you're tuning in to find out about Mike Zanino, this is definitely the place to be. We'll be getting into it on today's show. I am Jeff Ellis, one of the hosts of Lockdown Guardians. Uh, based on some of the comments today, uh, the least favorite host. Uh, people were mad today in the comments uh, for a variety of reasons, either missing out on Murphy, not liking Zanino, or just general unhappiness. So we're going to kind of cover all of that today. But I am Jeff Ellis, your least favorite host of Lockdown Guardians. I'm Justin Ladd. I don't know how people feel about me. I'm just happy to be rated. How's that sound? I don't know. No, like you're, me, you're, like you me. are liked. Every single time something comes up, I am the... I, well, I interrupted you. So there we go. That, that's that's a strike. I don't know. I think I people guess think I... we don't like each other. I, I got to be honest. Sometimes the comments make it feel like, like there's a competition here. And I want to be like, you know that we like agree on 90% <laughs> of things and have like never had a fight in our lives. Yeah, it's just eggnog and Will Smith movies. And even I've had to recant some of my Will Smith love after the, the slap heard around the world, unfortunately. But uh, I, I'm just happy to be rated. I guess I, I guess if I'm, I'm the baby face, which uh, I'll take that for now. But you never know when I might make my heel turn. Yeah, you know, you might start talking about showcases on the show. Now, this is <laughs> why people are going to think I hate you. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're eventually gonna have to let people people who listen to the podcast know about that. But we should probably wait wait for another day because we've got a lot to get. To. We have a lot to get talk about. So a lot of people are mad about Mike Zanino. And uh, listen, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. If you saw my tweet uh, before we recorded today, listen, all the people out there like he's not an upgrade over Austin Hedges. I literally went to Fangrass went from 2018 through 2022, made the minimum at bats a thousand or minimum plate appearances a thousand. The worst hitter in baseball over that time, Austin Hedges, who has a runs created plus of 54. Lewis Brinson, who has struggled to find a job, is two. Billy Hamilton, Garrett Sampson, who was cut. Orlando Arcia, who has been a backup and a massive disappointment for his career, uh, round out the top five. Uh, with such luminaries as Alcides Escobar and uh, Joe Panic, you know, it's not a good list. And he is the worst. And for anyone out there saying that Zanino... Uh, has a, you know, uh, what's the other thing? Oh, complaining about Zanino's strikeout rate, which is 7% higher than Hedges, which is, you know, again, not good, but like, it's not like Hedges wasn't a free swinger who he hits under 200. Well, Hedges, uh, Hedges hit 163 this year and has a career 189 batting average. Zanino is better than him in every offensive category possible or imaginable. Is he a Sean Murphy level upgrade? No. I also tweeted out today, like, the top tens uh, in terms of war at catcher over the last three years, not counting 2020 because it was a weird year. And there it's amazingly inconsistent outside of guys like Murphy and real Mudo and like the cream of the crop. We can be sad. We missed out on Murphy, but Zanino is an upgrade, right? He's definitely an upgrade on potential. I mean, there's definitely a world here where this ends up being an abject disaster and they have to hope that, 
Bo Naylor is ready to take the reins and he's everything they think he can be. Why I think so highly of him. Um, I don't know. The thoracic outlet syndrome issue is usually a pitcher's issue and it affected mostly his, it was from his left side. So it was his non-throwing side. So um, I guess that I would assume that's going to affect his swing more than his throwing in theory, I suppose. I'm not sure. This Mm -hmm. is a very weird injury. Um, It's not a good one. Um, I don't know what I know. They're they're very limited data and results on position players coming back from it or even having it in general. But uh, talent alone, it's definitely an upgrade. It's he's a better hitter. He's got more power. He walks, you know, a fair amount, or he used to walk a fair amount. Maybe his walks have dropped off. But um, yeah, Hedges has nowhere, never, never gotten close to what the power output Zeno has. Nino has a. 146 career homers and Hedges has 66 and Zanino has like one more, two more seat, one more full season played than Hedges. So um, it's definitely an upgrade. If, if Zanino's on the field, I feel pretty good about saying this is going to be fine. Um, they'll get better production from catcher next year than they did in 2022. Um, you're just really banking on him being healthy and, um, I don't know if there's any guarantee he's going to repeat 2021 either. Like that, there's a chance that was his best season, and he's already passed it. Um, 33 homers, a 134 WRC plus, um, but he has had two four win seasons. That's the second time he's had a four win season. Nearly three. Yeah, he yeah in 2014, 131 games, he had a, almost had a four win season. I mean, shoot, Cleveland would probably take. Um, his 2018 season where he hit 20 home runs and had an, an 83 WRC plus Austin Hedges has, has only one season been better than that. And that was uh, in 2018 before Cleveland had him. He is his way to runs creative plus has been half that his time with Cleveland. So I think almost by default, this has to be an upgrade by health, but um, I know you pulled up the numbers on the best catchers over the last several years or the best hit or worst hitters over the last several years, the uh, catchers, the last since I went back to 2017 for catchers, um, Austin Hedges has a 58 weighted runs created plus since 2017. That is 41st among catchers with a thousand plate appearances since then. Um, only only above Tony Walters and Sandy Leone, who's Sandy Leone was here last year for a little bit. Uh, below Roberto Perez, below Stephen Vogt, below Tucker Barnhart, below Max Stasi, below Jonathan Lucroy. Um, even below, you know, below Danny Jansen and, um, Mike Zanino comes in at 19th at 95 in that time. So his, uh, his, his numbers during that time were 204, 276, 440. If Cleveland gets a 95 weighted runs created plus out of Mike Zanino this season, it's an upgrade. It's, it's, it's going from a, you know, a failing, a failing grade, a, a black hole catcher to, I don't know, you're getting close to league average production. So it's, uh. A C. I don't know. You're just barely passing. It's definitely not the upgrade that Sean Murphy was going to be. Who, by the way, you know, since 2017, 116 WRC plus fourth among catchers in that time, tied with Buster Posey, JT Romuto, and behind Wilson Contreras and Will Smith. So, but that tells yeah, you oh, that was the yeah. drop off. And and all the catchers that could have been available are not on this list. Like Danny Jansen is there. Uh, he's barely above Zanino, but like. Christian Vasquez, not not above Mike Zanino. Um, who are the other catchers out? Omar Narvaez is, is, is was a little bit above him, but I don't think Cleveland was looking at him. 
it was very a very limited list in terms of who was going to be an upgrade, unfortunately. And you know, I think we both said from the beginning it was probably Murphy or Zanino, and you know, here it is. Yeah, and you know, just for some fun context, uh, in 2021, you know, just two years ago, uh, Zanino had the higher WAR that year. He was the more valuable player by Fangraphs WAR, and. Listen, uh, massive injury for Zanina last year. Uh, a rare injury, a weird injury. He only gets to play in 36 games. So using any of his stats is kind of a bit predatory. It's someone who wants to kind of make a stat, make a fact that he's not good. So if you see someone like really using his stats from last year to make a point, uh, you got to question what, why, other than to make him look bad. But having said that, he still outperformed Austin Hedges last year offensively. So even though he was a weird injury, short year, worst year of his career, he was still better than Austin Hedges offensively. So there's no way where this isn't a rebound. And honestly, if he has like an 80 runs created plus at 6 million for catcher, that's a win. Um, I, I just want to kind of underscore that. And, you know, a lot of prediction sites have him in the the eighties. And if his defense rebounds, uh, you know, anyone getting mad about like his pop time and framing, imagine how hard all of that was to do with the injury he had. And again, that injury is the one thing we can't predict, but I'm going to actually disagree with Justin. Cause I don't think no matter how bad this deal goes, it can't be worse than hedges because you can't be worse than hedges. Even if he doesn't play uh, or, you know, it's going to be hard to get to the negative war that hedges accumulated last year because his bat was not bad. It was historically bad. I mean, that's one of the worst seasons offensively for a starter, I believe in like modern era history, he was worth negative war. That being said, I'm still all for bringing him as a backup due to his familiarity and all the, you know, the clubhouse stuff he could do or like as a, a minor league guy. But I, I think if there's one big takeaway, Hedges has power. This is the one lineup of any in baseball that can afford, uh, that can bring in a guy with a high K rate and not kill them. They need power. He provides that if it's working. They need a defensive catcher who's an upgrade. He provides that potentially. And that's that's kind of the tagline. And all of this is also a way of saying like they believe in Bo Naylor quite a bit. They're not ready for him to start the year. They don't think he's ready. They're very good at judging when players are ready. So uh, this is a placeholder, but it's a placeholder with some nice ceiling and potential. And if things go wrong, he's only got to last you probably about half the year, right? Yeah, and then in which case you're turning to Naylor and you're hoping he's ready by then for sure. And and who knows if Naylor is going to get a timeshare before that. And real quick, too, even if you, you're talking about you know not using last year's stats, if you look under the hood a little bit, um, his exit velocity, average exit velocity in 2021 when he had his break, a big season was 90.7. Last year it was 91.8. Uh, he had a his max exit velocity was close to the uh, – was pretty much near his career norms. Um Hard hit rate was around career norm, too. It was a little bit higher in 2021, but it was still around his career norm. So, I mean, even if X-Stats doesn't believe he really performed that well, um, some of the stuff under the hood still suggests that he was close to doing a lot of the same things he did in 2021. So I think you could still bank on him hitting the ball, ball hard when he does hit it. It's just a matter of – I mean, the strikeouts are going to happen no matter what. So, But like I said, if he's on the field, he'll be an upgrade, no doubt. And if you think this Cleveland front office didn't like use every resource they had available to like check in, have check him out, do all that stuff. You don't know the preparation this front office did. If they felt like he is in pretty good shape, I'm sure they got to see him and um, we'll see. But I, I, end of the day, 
you and I both agree he's an upgrade and he was one of the top five catchers available in this market uh, from the start, in my opinion, because again, I know some people are not happy about not trading with Toronto, but I'm going to say it from the rooftops. Alejandro Kirk is not a catcher anymore. Now with these rule changes, he is no longer going to be a viable catcher for teams. So unless you want a DH, Kirk wasn't an option. He never was an option. There's a reason why Zanino and Murphy, as Justin pointed out, and as he pointed out yesterday, giving credit again to Justin here, I'm not sure if he said it on air or off air, because they've been only really linked to two catchers, Zanino and Murphy. Murphy deal happens, which we'll talk about in a moment in segment two, and they immediately pivot to Zanino. And I think, you know, A, it shows Justin's knowledge base, and B, it shows the plan that was in place. Uh, Didn't mean for that to have slant rhyme, but what I do mean is for us to take a quick commercial break here talk about one of our fantastic sponsors on this very show. And today it is a Rushmore sponsor. It is our good friends over at bet online. Bet online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college to the college bowl season to base basketball and the world cup. They've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you'll find them there as well. We've got the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. And if we take a quick second and look at bet online, we talked about all the recent odds, but I wonder if they've updated their World Series odds. I'm going to swing over there and take a good look at our, our good friends and see if they have changed the odds of the Atlanta Braves. Oh, because that's odds in the American League. Oh. You want to check and see what the odds uh, are Atlanta's, of Carlos Correa going to the Mets? Uh, let's see if they got futures. Uh, let's see. It's Toronto, I feel like, took a slight move. They're now third after adding Bassett, uh, third in the ranks over there. But you can find out more at Bet Online. Okay, so Sean Murphy, a lot came out today. I know people are like, more Murphy. I think it is important to talk about Murphy. And I feel like I have to scream this from the rooftops. Trey, prospect ranks don't really matter. Like teams don't care. Um, Classic example that I wanted to bring up yesterday and forgot about when the guardians were to trade Corey Kluber, the talk was when I talked to some angels people that if they had gone to the angels, it would have been Brandon Marsh was a top 50 prospect at the time. If not a top, maybe top 60 said they went to Texas for Emmanuel Classe. Now we're like, yes, that is the right move. They made the right move at the time. Everyone hated that deal. And you looked under the you looked at rumored other deals, and it didn't make any gall darn sense. Now it makes perfect sense. Um, Estuary Ruiz has the speed that these new rules are going to benefit. Oakland wanted him. Uh, he also fits the old Moneyball approach. He has a high walk rate. He has on base tools. Oh, he is not Stephen Kwan. I will say that again. He is not Stephen Kwan. But a lot of the things that made Stephen Kwan underestimated and made him not. You know, someone who was a top 100 prospect are there for Ruiz. He's got like he's on base skills. He's more likely a corner outfielder. He is not big. There is not good power potential. But his his walk rate doubled this year and he is absolutely havoc on the bases. And I've talked about before. Oakland loves athletes. They have been trying to add speed to their lineup for a decade now. They don't have speed. You can sit there and say Cleveland could have topped this. But we don't know what Oakland liked, and Oakland wanted Ruiz. That's why this deal got caught back up is because they were almost just trying to get Ruiz out of um, Milwaukee without sending 
uh, Milwaukee didn't want Murphy or couldn't afford him. So they had to figure out a way. Uh, and, and the crazy thing is Milwaukee valued him enough that it wasn't just like, normally I think if you go, Hey, we're going to trade you Wilson Contreras for Louise. I thought, you know, Milwaukee would say, yes, they must've said no initially to get Piapas, who's an interesting high spin reliever. Um, you know, I don't know. He's not the best piece, but he's interesting. And to get Justin Yeager, who's left off the rule five, but he throws a hundred miles an hour. Like those weren't nothing pieces. They got more than Contreras. So as much as everyone wants to Monday morning quarterback this, as much as everyone wants to say Cleveland could have topped it, uh, you know, I'll leave it to Justin to talk about some of what the rumors were that they wanted Cleveland. But even today, we found out like that St. Louis offer that we discussed on this very show was not true. They wanted Newt Bar or um, Brendan Donovan plus Grafasero. Uh, it's crazy to me that the offer of Dylan Carlson was not Oakland didn't want him. I don't, I don't understand that, but they wanted. Um, you know, they wanted very specific things. They wanted Newt Bar, not Carlson. They wanted Ruiz. Cleveland didn't have either of those guys to offer. They wanted they wanted major league near ready bats. And you're saying Cleveland has that. They also clearly didn't want infielders. Like infielders have not been in vogue this offseason. And that's something else we'll talk about maybe on today's show, maybe tomorrow. The Reds are if so many shortstops. They're trying to trade them for outfield prospects and having no luck. Nobody wanted Cleveland shortstops. Nobody wants infield prospects right now. Um, it's a little bit weird, but I mean, everyone's built up their own war chest of them. Nobody really feels like they need need them after targeting the last few years. So yeah, you know, that's, I think people have to take a step back and realize Oakland wanted weird specific things. They got the guys they wanted. Could Cleveland have topped it? Yes, but I think the cost would have been a lot more than what the viewed cost was. Yeah, I mean, Zach Meisel of the Athletic has continued to say that Oakland was targeting Williams or Espino. Didn't even say Bybee, but they were targeting Williams or Espino. And and I know Zach does a good job of getting information from third party sources, so he's not getting you know any biased information um, from either team, especially from Cleveland. So um, always trust him and always trust Ken Rosenthal. I'm still blown away. I mean, this is a personal, and again, this is why teams value players differently. Like. You and I were both talking before we started recording that St. Louis was interested, wanted to give the Cardinals either Carlson or Donovan, but not both. And then they were willing to offer Graceffo and then a bunch of, and a couple other players. And Oakland decided they wanted Newt Bar, and that was why it was no deal, supposedly. And you and I were both like, well, I'd rather have Dylan Carlson than Newt Bar. But if that's true, Oakland really wanted Newt Bar, and they valued players differently and maybe there's a reason st louis didn't want to give up nude bars so that might make some sense um but you're right i mean you and i both love prospect rankings we've been we've done them in our life and um for, for fun and for for you know writing gigs and they are fun but they're really fun for public facing they're not done for private facing so like yeah you'll see some executives um look at those lists they might inform some of those lists like there's no doubt that there are prospect people from in or, you know, development people from inside the organizations across baseball that influence pipeline and baseball America and fan graphs, because those outlets run their list by team contacts that they have. Um, but you don't think those influence aren't those lists aren't influenced by those people for a reason. Like they hundred percent are influenced for a certain reason when those are passed through. So you really have to take those just kind of at face value and not um, 
anything deeper because they just don't mean anything on the internal because clearly teams value players differently. And we said it yesterday, just if, if, if Oakland was determined that they were going to get Williams or Espino, then I don't, I agree with not making that deal. It's, it's frustrating because the system is good. I know I saw people saying, Oh, well maybe Cleveland system isn't that good. Maybe we're all ever people are overrating them. I don't think people are overrating Cleveland's system because they have good players. I think, um, it's just a matter of what teams want in trade markets and what specific teams want. And we also talked about this at the beginning of the offseason, too. There are just not a lot of teams out there trading away good players right now. Like Oakland, Sean Murphy represents really the last player on the last team that's really tearing things down right now. Look look across the league. There is nobody in the AL East that's, tr- that's tearing down, right? Tampa Bay is always Tampa Bay. The Orioles are on the upswing, finally. The Red Sox are... In kind of purgatory, kind of accidentally tearing it down. Yeah, they're making dumb decisions, but they're not looking to trade away good players. The Yankees no. are the Yankees. The Blue Jays are getting better. The Braves are amazing. The Marlins are trying to get better. The Mets are ridiculous, and now they're reportedly interested in Carlos Correa. The Nationals have already traded away all the players they have that were any good. The Phillies made the playoffs last year. The Reds are trying to build back up. The Pirates are trying to build back up. The Cubs are trying to build back up. The Cardinals are and Brewers are playoff contenders. Um, you can overlook anybody in the central because they all stink except for the twins. And even they're being weird and you're not going to trade with those guys. Anyway, um, the angels are trying like heck to be good. Then it never works. Um, the Mariners made the playoffs. The Rangers are spending mad money trying to make the playoffs. The diamondbacks are sneaky, good, decent. They're not looking to tear down the Dodgers, the Dodgers, the giants are trying to win. The Padres are all in the Rockies are stupid, but they have nothing. Chris to give Bryant. You. Like they signed Chris Bryant and they have build up. Yeah. They had nothing to give you. Oakland literally represents the last team that had major league quality players. They were looking to move in order to uh, start the rebuild phase. Nobody else is in the rebuild phase right now. Nobody. I mean, the the Red Sox have screwed themselves in, in some ways and the Rockies continue to shoot themselves in the foot, but it's like, there's nobody out there. So, Yes, maybe you should have risked the biscuit to go and get Sean Murphy because it was the last chance you had to use your, I don't know. Would you rather overpay for a Sean Murphy and trade, just because you needed to trade some of your prospect depth and and shore up a position, would you rather overpay because there might not be another chance to make a trade like this, no matter what position regardless? Or would you rather say, you know, we just, let's hold on and see what happens because obviously Cleveland did, but um, it's hard to guess where they pivot from, from that prospect depth and what they do with it now. But um, there's just not, there's not a lot of trades out there that are going to be a match for them, regardless of how they treat trades. It's just t- teams are all in this weird phase right now. It's been a, it's not, you know, I'm not saying Cleveland's not at fault for not being more aggressive and trying to find a way to make a trade. And maybe they should be a little less risk averse, but you know, teams, Teams aren't trading certain guys for a reason, and teams are in the position position they're in. You can't force them to make a trade. I think it's a perfect time to take our next break right here, and then I'm going to come back and give you a theory as you were talking that kind of hit me of why Cleveland may not be preferred for some trades, why it is that like Cleveland and Oakland maybe didn't match up, um, but all that after a quick break on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. And so... You know, hearing you talk and 
you know, we talked I about talked the starting system. No, it, it's good. <laughs> it was all good. Um, but hearing you talk kind of made something click in my head, which is, listen, trading the big three arms is dumb. Like just, and that's not what clicked, but Oakland wanted Ruiz because he has, you know, 70 grade speed, maybe 80 grade speed. Some of the other trades we've seen are like, teams are targeting kind of elite physical tools. And that often happens in these things like speed or power. Cleveland's miners doesn't have elite speed or power. Like they have elite contact rates. They're actually relatively, I would say in terms of most um, top prospect pools, average athletically, like it is not a prospect pool where you go through and go, that guy's a plus athlete. That guy, you know, is a, a plus it's like, it's a lot of good fundamentals. It's a lot of good contact skills, which is something they're targeting. But in some ways, like, you know, uh, Gabriel Arias from two years ago when they acquired him, three years ago when they acquired him, whenever, now two years ago, would, might be more interesting than a Brian Rocchio because Arias was a plus-plus defender with plus-power potential. And Rocchio is, like, average across the board. You know, it's like that. It, that isn't what te- teams don't want to trade for average across the board. Like if it's a centerpiece, at least they can sit there and go, Ruiz has gotten better every year. Prospect ranks haven't had a chance to catch up with him. He is on base all the time. He stole 85 bases last year, I think. Uh, he's just, you know, when you have that plus tool, teams tend to go out of their way to get that. And I think, in a way, Cleveland's more balanced approach to the minors might make it a little less attractive outside of, you know, the big three arms because the big three arms are power type of arms. And to go back to, if you read between the lines, honestly, it feels like Oakland asked Cleveland for Valera and either Williams or Espino. And if you look at the Rosenthal piece today, he said that, you know, they settled for Mueller when they couldn't get another infielder. And I look at the, the I assume they wanted Grissom because that's the only other infielder of note anywhere in Atlanta. Because I don't think Atlanta is going to sit there and be like, oh, no, take uh Mueller over Shoemake. Like Shoemake doesn't he's he's all right. He's probably a utility guy. So I assume it was like they pushed hard for Grissom. It didn't happen. They came back and revisited and settled for Mueller. But I mean even all the reports today were like Tarnock's a reliever. Like Atlanta viewed him as a reliever, maybe or Oakland, that maybe he can be a starter, but it's like there's even talk already that Mueller is, you know, he'll get a chance to start, but he's probably like they they really want a Ruiz. And guess what? Cleveland didn't have him. And Milwaukee desperately needed a catcher. I mean they have Kiebert Ruiz, right? Like they have a solid kind of backup. Milwaukee isn't it Kiebert or is it which? No, no, they've got they've got one of those guys who's like Kiebert, who was a former big name prospect where he didn't become a starter, but a solid because Kiebert's with Washington. They now, have Carantini right? and they had Carantini. Uh... That's it. Yeah, Carantini is who I'm thinking yeah. about because Carantini was a, a big name prospect with the Cubs, right? Like I don't know, like I. Carantini and Kiebert Ruiz on top of having some key sounds in their name um, are somewhat similar to me just for like both were viewed as potential starting catching. I mean, that's maybe part of the lesson here. Like both those guys, Ruiz and Carantini were viewed to be as everyday guys and they haven't been Cleveland doesn't, unless they're flipping Bo Naylor to get, uh, which I don't know if that's necessarily what um, Milwaukee would have wanted anyways, because Contreras is at least a proven bat, but Mm -hmm. this really seems to come down to they want a Ruiz and Cleveland didn't want to trade Valera. They didn't want to trade a top three arm. And I don't know. I have a hard time. I'm willing. I would have been willing to move on from Valera. I find a hard time trading pitching um, with the way it is, but yeah, I, I guess we've talked enough about Murphy's and Nino is fun. 
if he's even remotely the 2021 version, you're getting above average bat, above average defense, and that's incredibly valuable. If he's not, you know, it, he it's hard to not be an upgrade on Austin Hedges. Uh, I know you had some other things you wanted to talk about here before we uh, we do our end of audio podcast, but do our kind of after show on YouTube. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Giving up Valera to me, if if, if obviously Cleveland lo- looks like they don't want to trade him, Valera doesn't even compare to Ruiz because Ruiz is more of a, a high average speed center fielder. Maybe he's a center fielder. We don't know. I, I, there are a lot of places that don't think he's a center fielder, but I guess Oakland's going to find out. It, and they don't need him to be a center fielder. He could be a left fielder if they still believe enough in Pache to play center because obviously Pache's defense isn't the question. Um, but you, do you see the juxtaposition here or the, the differing um, skill sets here where Oakland was targeting speed and Cleveland is looking at catchers who have great pop times like Murphy and, and Zanino. That's why they passed up on Vasquez. You can clearly see where the league is going with these rule changes and um, the skill sets out there. Teams are valuing pop time and arm or at least Cleveland is, and, and Oakland is, is valuing speed right now. And Cleveland's best speed prospect is probably what, Isaiah Green? Like, that's the closest guy they have, if you're talking about just pure speed, to Esther Ruiz. And Green is nowhere near the major leagues, and he may never, he is never going to hit the way Ruiz has. So that was never going to happen. Um, I don't know, Joe Lampy might have decent enough speed. And I think Nate Furman might have a decent enough speed, but those are, you know, 20, maybe guy lips to come junior. Yeah. Junior even, even, yeah. I don't know if he has the speed of, of a, a, no. a lamp or a, um, a, even a Nate Furman, but like Will Benson is a fantastic athlete. I don't think, I don't think Oakland is like, Oh, we want Will Benson. Like, obviously they wanted a guy who could hit for high average and walk. And that is not Benson. Even though he cut a strikeout rate down, like, it's a different kind of athlete. The system, they, they must view players differently enough where there wasn't a fit. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's hard to say in the end here, but I'm, I'm with you not trading the starting pitching. And I don't know. I, I like on one hand, you can believe if you're, if you believe in your system and you believe that you're good at developing starting pitching, you could choose to, bite the bullet and make that trade for Espino or Williams and not both and hang on to one of them. Plus you still have any Bybee and Cantillo and Allen, even though they're of lesser skill set. And you could just say, well, maybe we can, you know, find another Williams. I don't know if you could find another Espino. Espino is a unicorn. Um, that doesn't come around every so often. Maybe you would have said, okay, we'll give them Williams. Obviously they felt like that wasn't worth it. They want to get better pitching wise. Both those guys could be in the rotation as early as this year, maybe next year, depending on how they figure things out with pitching market, which we talked about because I have no idea how that's going to play out, but yeah, pitching has, has been the lifeblood of the organization. I guess things probably change. Like do you, it, let's say, let's say Bo Naylor doesn't exist or Bo Naylor ends up as bad as he was in 2021. Let's say he never rebounded in 2022. You probably you Cleveland probably makes that trade, right? They probably are willing to give in on that trade because now they have no options to catcher because Naylor looks like he flamed out in double A and Lavasita had a bad yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe the, the calculus changes. Cleveland says we have nothing for catcher and let's trade one of these guys for catcher because Zanino or Zanino. Um yeah, I think that's so 
I think Naylor's presence is probably why they didn't make this trade. Um, but now it's going to be on on them banking on Zanino being healthy, and it's going to be on them believing that Naylor is as good as he says he is and when he's ready to take over. Because the other thing I want to talk about on the uh, post show on YouTube is what else they do at catcher from here on out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're not, they're going to try to not put too much pressure on Naylor and we'll see if they find another catcher and keep him at triple a, but um, this clearly says they're, you know, Naylor is going to be the guy sooner or later. And, um, you know, this is banking on him eventually being the guy they think he can be. And this is where it ends up. So they don't make that trade. They didn't get the value they wanted. So now they've got to, Hope their calculus is right on Naylor. Yeah, which is, I mean, honestly, it's a it's a fast track for Naylor. A lot of people ask me about Tyler Stevenson. Um, you know, could could the Guardians are trying Reds to get aren't trading him? Now. And the Reds, a the Reds aren't trading, but it took him six years to break into the big leagues. Like it is uh, expecting Naylor to break in right away and be good is is a big ask. Um, we're gonna take our ending here, uh, as it were. We're gonna come back around to our locked on. Uh, extra show so if you want a little more you can jump in over on youtube i want to thank you for everyone who listened rate and review download daily daily it helps uh we're pushing 1100 um i've got a funny story that i'm going to tell in segment in our after show about uh giving some shout outs um so tune in for that Uh, i want to thank you all again and end it the way we end every show go go guardians go